Welcome. You're listening to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. Whether you attend locally in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, or are just jumping in to listen to this weekend service, we're so glad you're here. In this Advent season, we're taking time in Isaiah's prophecies, and more specifically, the names given to Jesus in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. He is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Through this season, we want to grow in our relationship with him and knowledge of our King Jesus so that we can worship and walk with him, not just as we celebrate Christmas, but throughout the whole year. If you want to join us this holiday season or want to find out more about our church, you can visit us online at harvestcommunity.org. Thank you. Wasn't that beautiful from the kids? They set us up so well to continue to our fourth and final name of Jesus as prophesied by Isaiah. Last week I said that was 550 years. That was over 700 years before Jesus was born. Correction. Isaiah prophesied that someone would come to sit on the throne of David, a son, a child, and he would be named Well, let's listen to the whole verse. A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal or Everlasting Father, and finally this morning, Prince of Peace. If you're just joining us, we've been taking one of those names each week of Advent and our fourth and final this morning is Prince of Peace. Peace appears 361 times in the English Standard Version of the Bible. Peace is talked about often in our culture, in our conversations, both uh, the presence of peace and the absence of peace. Peace is something that each of us crave, whether we want to admit it or not, and peace, sadly, is something we too often, each of us, live without. About two years ago, I sat down with a counselor myself, and the counselor asked me a very pointed question. Here I was going to him thinking he had all the answers, and he asked me, what are we doing here today? What do you want to talk about? Have you ever had that experience with somebody? He asked me what the goal of meeting with him was. Like, what are you looking for? And at first I thought this would be a very hard question to answer. And then without thinking, it rolled off my tongue. Peace. I'm looking for internal, deep peace and rest. Peace is something that we all long for. If you're honest here, Peace is something that you crave and you seek out, but the dilemma is that we don't always find it and follow through. Let me give you an example. We crave water every day and food, and we find ways to meet that need every day, but we also crave and long for peace and fail often to find it. As the hymn writer said in 1855, peace we often forfeit, and oh, what needless pain we bear. Peace can be present or absent. It can be missing from our lives. And peace can also be something that's misplaced. You see, we can place our hope in other things 
and people to gain peace and be disappointed in the process. On October 11th, 2023, I did what I do regularly. Ever since I was a teenager, writing songs, I would keep a journal. I don't do it daily like I should, but I I try to keep a regular journal. And on October 11th, 2023, I wrote the following in my journal. Today, it seems like the whole world is at war. I, I wrote this following the cancellation of a trip that I'd been preparing for to go to Israel that I was supposed to be there last month. And then thinking zoomed out in the broader scope of Russia and Ukraine and ongoing war there, not to mention the things we don't often talk about in North Korea or China and even continuing civil tensions here at home in the United States. This morning, I want to tell you that some things never change because Isaiah, when he wrote chapter nine, verse six, wrote in the same global Tensions. Writing well over 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah wrote with what was then the world's superpower, the Assyrian army, to their northeast, breathing down the neck of Israel about to take it over. At the time of Isaiah's ministry, not only did they have this global power in Assyria, which is modern-day Iraq, breathing down the neck of Israel, but Israel itself at this point was a divided kingdom. You had the northern kingdom of Israel, and you had the southern kingdom, which was called Judah, the smaller of the two, and to the south. The Assyrian Empire included the city of Nineveh, was located northeast along the Tigris River, again in what is now modern-day Iraq. So Isaiah, during his time of ministry, had a rising global threat in the nation of Assyria coming to a people that was divided. And in the middle of this situation, Isaiah writes, his name will be called Prince of Peace. To people looking for hope, looking for answers, where is our safety going to come from? Where is our help going to come from? Isaiah, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would write, his name will be called Prince of Peace. As that threat from Assyria loomed larger and larger on northern Israel, southern, the southern part of Israel, Judah, the southern kingdom, had an important decision to make. Where would they look to for help? Where, what would they do with this rising global threat? It appears throughout the book of Isaiah that Judah was tempted to look to Assyria, the enemy for hope, maybe making an ally of their enemy that was coming down on them. And if Assyria wouldn't become their ally, maybe they'd go to their south to Egypt and maybe Egypt could help them. In short, Judah would look everywhere for help, everywhere but the Lord himself. And in the middle of this, Isaiah calls God's people to the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and finally this morning, the prince of peace. See if this sounds familiar. Scholar John Oswalt wrote, Isaiah saw Judah turning away from trusting God and being caught up in the trappings of human pomp, politics, and power. 
The ESV's intro to Isaiah describes this first audience, Judah, this way as, quote, God's rebellious people craving worldly security. Folks, about 27, 2800 years, almost 3000 years later, and little has changed. That's the dilemma. That might be the bad news, but I, I want to invite us on this Christmas Eve morning to receive the message and the hope that is true in each of these ages that Jesus Christ, the promised one, is the Prince of Peace. In 2023, as we survey the world landscape, just a quick swipe through the news feed in the morning is enough to make you feel uneasy to say the least. The word comes to us this morning through the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 9, 6. He will be called Prince of Peace. So this was prophesied. What did Isaiah mean in chapter 9 when he wrote, he will be called Prince of of peace. What does it mean that the promised Messiah, if you're not familiar with this, Israel worshiped Yahweh, God, and then they, they tried to be led by kings and, and, and judges even at one point, but they always longed for something more, the perfect king, a savior. And so what Isaiah is saying is that someday God will send his son, the promised savior, the Messiah. What did Isaiah mean that he'll be called the prince of peace? Well, Isaiah was speaking of a different kind of ruler altogether. You see, Judah might have been waiting for the miracle-working politician who would have all the right policies in place and lead Judah into a great alliance with Assyria and save the day. Judah could have been waiting for this mighty warrior like they had in King David who would bravely and boldly lead the armies of Israel into battle and defeat Assyria. But no, Isaiah promises them the prince of peace. The scholar I mentioned before, John Oswald, describes him in Isaiah this way. What sort of king is this? He is a peaceful king. One who comes in peace and one who establishes peace. Not by a brutal squashing of all defiance, but by means of a transparent vulnerability, which makes defiance pointless. And somehow through him will come the reconciliation between God and man that will then make possible the reconciliation between man and man. He goes on to say, God is strong enough to overcome his enemies by being vulnerable, transparent, and humble. The only hope, in fact, for turning enmity into friendship, this is the Prince of Peace. In civil tension and in global war, Isaiah says the people need to turn to the Prince of Peace. And I'll just cut to the chase this morning. I, I'm standing here in 2023, December 24th, saying in the face of all of the instability in our world, we don't need a stronger, more violent leader we need the Prince of Peace. Amen. This is the one Isaiah prophesied, and actually Micah prophesied near the same time as Isaiah this. In Isaiah 
This Prince of Peace would settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up sword against nation and they will never again train for war. How does that sound? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep explaining it. But I, I appreciate the accountability. Were I to click on the Google News app that I usually use, which no longer uh, exists as of a week ago because it was so depressing to me, I deleted it. Um, I, I would go to a passage like this and read what my friend Brooks is challenging me on here. They'll beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up sword against nation and they will never again train for war. And I would say with the end of the Bible, even so, come Lord Jesus. The Prince of Peace, the ruler that would sit on the throne of David, the Messiah, will not gain power through violence, but through sacrifice. The Prince of Peace would come and did come to give us what we're all longing for, peace. And Jesus did come. Over 700 years after the times of Micah and Isaiah predicting that, prophesying that his name would be called the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace arrived. In the context of more politics and another global superpower calling for everybody to come forward and be taxed, in Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7, it says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him, in, she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And at the same time that that child was born in obscurity, peace was declared. You see, in the same region, verse 8, shepherds were staying out in their fields, keeping watch all night over their flocks. And suddenly the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people today. In the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And what? Peace on earth to people he favors. You see, the good news of God's peace has always 
arrived amidst global tensions and warring politics and civil unrest, God enters and declares peace. What happened when Christ came? Because to be honest, we, I, it feels like this, the world is still in the same tensions of Isaiah's day. What happened when Christ came? Because it feels like we're still living with the global superpowers and the civil tensions at home that were present in the day that Jesus was born. What happened in the 30-some years that Jesus lived on this earth? I will tell you, he went from that baby, lived a, a life fully human, fully God, in perfection. And shortly into his 30s, he began a ministry where he would heal people. He would feed people. He showed us how to treat one another. And at the end of a perfect life, Jesus gave himself on a cross where he paid for every sin that you have ever committed. And when they put him in a tomb, he didn't stay there. After three days, he rose again from the dead and went back to his father's right hand so that Paul could write this in Romans 5 verse 1. Because of this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of this, since we've been made right, that's the word justified, since we've been made right with the Father through faith, what does that mean? Believing that when Jesus came and lived perfectly in a way that we never have, and then sacrificed himself on the cross, paying a debt that we could never pay back to God because of our sin, by believing that, by having faith in that alone. Guys, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm, I'm not talking about reading your Bible. I'm not talking about doing good things for your neighbor. I'm not talking about your good things outweighing your bad. I'm talking about the desperation of saying, I am like, if I'm playing poker, all my chips are going to the center on this hand. Like I got nothing, but I believe that when Jesus came and lived perfectly and died for me, I am saying that that is enough to save me forever. That's faith. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we now have peace with God. What did Jesus come to accomplish. He didn't come to defeat the Assyrian army. He didn't come to make sure that the people of God wouldn't be uh, taxed by the leading superpower of that day. In fact, when he came, he's just like, they asked him about money. He's like, well, who's on the coin? Give to Caesar what's Caesar. They give to God what's God. That's plain and simple. I came that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes before God the Father except through me. And because of this, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you peace with God? You know, we've all heard the verse from the Psalms, be still and know that I am God. With that be still, all it means is stop fighting. 
There are people in this room who just need to stop trying to improve themselves. Stop trying to save yourself and place your faith in the one who can. You see, you were not born at peace with God. Since birth, we've been trying to solve our own problems and we've just been creating more. We've been searching for peace in other places than God. And that hasn't worked out so well. We now, through faith in what Jesus did, have peace with God and patience to persevere until he comes again. What do we do now, though, that Jesus Christ is in heaven, sitting at his father's right hand. What do we have in Jesus Christ? What, what do we do? So I know so far in the sermon, I, I know that Isaiah said the Prince of Peace would come. I, I know from Luke two that the Prince of Peace did come. I know from Romans chapter five, verse one, that because he did come, I have peace with God in an, in an eternal sense. Like between me and God, I have peace. There used to be a storm raging and Jesus said, peace be still. And the water is placid like glass between me and God because of Jesus. And I know that. But it's still December 24th, 2023, and I'm incomplete. And I'm broken, and I still have the same struggles that I had in, in 2022. Many of the same ones. And what do I do with that? What is available to me in the person of Christ? I, I, I want to give this to you. Seriously, I know it sounds cheesy, but if I could give you one gift today, I would give you Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven. Let's go there. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Listen to this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what is available to us right now. Because we pray in Jesus' name, who's at the right hand of the throne of the Father, we can have peace right now today that will blow your mind. It, 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 it surpasses all understanding and it will keep you and guard you. Does that sound good to you? This passage unlocks our struggle with fear and worry have you ever heard that it's difficult to be grateful and anxious at the same time? I had heard that as hearsay, and so I did a deep dive for us. And I won't give you all the results, but I mean, it took me into uh, medical journals uh, from Harvard and everywhere. And it is clear, a well-documented fact that practicing gratitude reduces the effects of anxiety and depression and has a positive effect on your physical health even. I've been trying this. I've been trying as I go to sleep to be thankful for something. And I, I've been trying as I wake up to be thankful for something. And I've been failing miserably at this. But this is why Paul 
begins here, not because he had a Harvard medical journal at his disposal, not because they said it's true, but because God said it was true. He made it this way. He made us this way. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's not enough. Again, I say rejoice. In fact, let your reasonableness, your gentleness, your graciousness be known to everyone. Be known not by your worrying, by your negativity, by your anxiety, but by your reasonableness and your graciousness, because God is at hand. Where is God? Is he coming again? Yes, he's coming again. But what does this verse say? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Maybe the best thing you could hear this morning is that the Lord is near and everything will be okay. Paul then moves to prayer. The grateful believer then brings everything Let your requests be made known to God in everything, in everything through prayer. There is nothing too small. And you can be honest with God. Go to the middle of your Bible and you'll be in the Psalms and you'll see that the psalmists were very open with the Lord. You know, you can say things to God like, I'm struggling to believe you're real right now. It doesn't feel like you're near. Where are you? You can say things like that to God. You can say, God, I'm tempted to hate this person. God, I think I kind of do. You can be that honest with God in everything through prayer. Make your request known to God. And what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this is, folks, let me get practical here. This peace of God, we want in the moment an unending supply. This is just something I'm learning right now in the moment, so let me share it with you. What we want is we want all the peace and all the confidence, all the guarantees in the moment so that we can have peace. But the sort of peace talked about in Philippians 4, since it's about prayer, is actually coming off the way our Lord taught us to pray. Have you grown up in a religious tradition where they said, now let's pray as our father taught us to pray, our father in heaven, hallowed, or may your name be kept holy, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So give us this day our daily bread. What daily bread means, the way that I have internalized daily bread is, Lord, give me exactly what I need today to keep relying on you. Give us this day our daily bread. So in prayer, we're asking God for our daily bread. So the peace that Paul's talking about in Philippians chapter 4 is peace for today. But if you're like me, what you're saying is, God, I could have peace over the holidays if I would know that in 2024, this concern in my family will be taken care of. God, if, if I know that this relationship's going to come back around to reconciliation, I could have peace. If I know that I'm not only healthy now, but I, I, will, have a, I will be healthy all of 2024, I, I could have peace now. God, if I knew that my job was not in any way threatened or on the line or going through uncomfortable change, all next year, I could have peace now, but actually... In everything, we let our requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God, because the Lord is near now, will keep our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus now. And so God is asking you in the spirit of give us this day our daily bread to come to him now. Some of you are worried about your marriage. What will happen in my marriage this next year? That's not the concern you should have today. Father, I am worried right now, but God, you are near and I'm trusting you right now. Some of you have overcome addictions in the past couple of years. I've been able to have a front row seat to see some of it. Some of you are like, I hope this lasts all year. But what if there's a relapse next year? Some of you are thinking about that, about your spouse. No, no, no. Today, give us this day today, our daily bread and let the peace of God, because the Lord is near now, let that be enough. The peace of God keeps us not only in every moment, but wherever we go. So the peace of God is here now because the Lord is near and the peace of God is with us wherever we go. As I've traveled around many parts of the world from Ireland through China and Nepal, um, India, even with some people here, we took a, um, left the airport and had an adventure in Qatar. I've always kept this phrase in my mind, traveling in the will of God is the safest place I could be. Traveling in the will of God is the safest place that I could be. Simply put, when I was in Havana, Cuba, during the pandemic, waiting for the results of my COVID test, which was a state-run test, and I had to try to sleep that night, with government watch programs on every block, I was just as safe in old Havana as I was last night in my own bed in Franklin, Wisconsin. And the reason is the Lord is near. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keeps us. It guards us. We don't need to be shaken. We don't need to be rattled. Yeah, we can't control tomorrow, but today the Lord is near and his peace will cover you and keep you. I came across this story this last week. Pedro Arupe was a Christian missionary to Japan during World War II. And well before the war broke out, he was doing ministry in Christian congregations, I believe, for three years. As the war intensified and involved the Japanese, he was arrested and put into prison. He had no clue what would happen. One night during Christmas, alone in his cell, awaiting the worst, he heard voices coming from afar, moving towards his cell, and he began fearing the worst. Perhaps the death penalty was coming for him. But at first he was anxious, but then the group of voices turned into a very familiar carol. It was other Christians from the congregation gathering outside the wall of his solitary cell singing a Christmas carol to him. Here's what he wrote. Suddenly, above the murmur that was reaching me, there arose a soft, sweet, consoling Christmas carol. I was unable to contain myself. I burst into tears. 
Arupe would write that even after they were gone and he was left alone in silence, that their spirits remained united by the spirit in that moment. As the war began to rage in World War II, this Christian missionary alone in a prison cell in Japan had the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And I want to remind you this morning that God is with you and that his peace will keep you. God is with you and his peace will keep you. And there is a final peace to come as Christ returns to defeat our true adversary and bring about eternal peace. Romans 16, 20 says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Scrolling through the news, as I mentioned earlier, for even five minutes is enough to break your heart. We have access to stories from all over the world that are devastating, but know this, there is coming a day when God's peace will not only be with us in darkness, listen to me, God's peace will not only be with us in the prison cell in Japan. God's peace will not only be with us in darkness, but darkness will be no more. There, there, there's coming a day when we won't have to just say, give us this day, our daily bread, but we will feast forever in the house of Zion. That there's coming a day when God's peace will not only keep us in the midst of all of our anxiety and fear and lack of reconciliation and worry, but that worry and lack of reconciliation, all the chaos will cease forever for all will be still for the Prince of Peace will come again and destroy the enemy of peace fully and finally forever. The worship team's going to come and help us respond. And so I want to ask you a couple questions as they begin to play. I ask you this question honestly. Every time the church gathers, the room is, 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 is mixed with people who have a relationship with God, the sort of I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship with God that lasts forever based only on faith. And there are people who have that and people who don't have that. And we don't really know who each other are. God knows that. But would you listen to this question and consider it? Would you be open this morning to the arrival of the Prince of Peace in your life? I'm not talking about would you be open to attending Harvest every Sunday. I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions or would you commit to doing better this year. I'm not talking about any of that. Would you be open to an arrival of Christ and peace in your life that will enter your life now and hold you forever? Would you be willing to pray with me right now? If you, if you don't know what to pray, there's no magical prayer outlined in scripture like pray this incantation and it saves you. It's not that. It's going all in. It's placing your faith. When I came to Christ, it sounded a bit like this. God, I need your peace to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and save me. 
Give me your peace now and forever. I know this is only possible because Jesus was born and he gave his life on the cross to pay for all of my sin. He rose again from the dead victorious and I know he's coming again. God, by the work of your son, Jesus Christ, save me and grant me your peace. Would you consider praying that for the first time this morning? It's just the attitude, the disposition of your heart towards God. For those of you confident that you are in Christ, you've already cried out to God similarly at another point in your life. Can I remind us of the rest of that hymn? From 1855. Oh, the peace we often forfeit. Oh, the needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Where do you need the peace of God, Christian, to arrive in your life today? Let it all be made known to God to prayer. Nothing is too small, even now. Let it all be known. And this morning, let it all be well.